I want to show you a picture. Not yet, Mike. Uh, I want to show you a picture today of two people who have done something that has impacted every person in this room. And if you can identify them, I've got a $25 gift card to uh, Applebee's on this. So, um, you know, who knew that you could go to New Life Community Church today and be on a game show? But when I reveal this picture, you have got to give me the names of both of these people in five seconds. Ready, set, go. Yeah, the guys back there are reading it and they're going, oh, we know, we know, yeah. Not my parents. Four, three, two, one, you lose. Ha, I guess we're going to Applebee's today. Not really. This is um, Goldie and Jerry Lipman. That cleared it up for you, didn't it? You're like, oh, I knew that. Well, maybe they're not well known, but the company that they started years ago was. You know what it is? Anybody know? How about this? If I show you the logo of the company. And you heard of Gojo? In case you don't know that, show the next one, Mike. Remember Hand Cleaner? Back in, the, in 1946, this company started because they realized how difficult it was to get grease off of factory workers' hands. So they started with this Gojo hand cleaner way back then. In 1950, Jerry invented the first uh, liquid dispensing soap dispenser, hand dispenser, you know, that you put on the wall. You've all seen those, right? He's the guy that came up with that idea. But it was in his invention in 1988 that I'm willing to bet every person in the room has used. You know what it is? Show the next picture. Hand sanitizer. Purell hand sanitizer. How many of you have used it? Or you've at least seen it used. All right? So everybody in here, it has impacted our world. Well, why is this so popular? Because this is the number one. And by the way, there's all kinds of different brands now. But this dude started it back in 1988, and it has swept the planet. Why is it such a big deal? It's because we understand that germs are real. We understand that there are these unseen things that given the right circumstances will become known in the seen world, right? Germs impact us. Anybody not believe in germs? What I'm talking about is something called the germ theory of disease. And it's credited to Louis Pasteur. You've heard of Louis Pasteur? He wasn't the first guy to come up with the idea of the germ theory of disease, but he's the one who proved it. This uh, came about as early as 1677, but before that time... Before he was able to prove that germs are connected to disease, there were a lot of people, and, and in fact, most people in the world, over 90% of the people in the world, believed in something called spontaneous generation. The idea that something just happens out of nothing. For example, this is, this is true. Not only did I read this, uh, I did some research, but Janie said this was in our uh, science school books that we use in homeschool. A 17th century recipe for spontaneous production of mice, I don't know why you'd want to do this, but spontaneous production of mice required placing sweaty underwear and husks of wheat in an open mouth jar. Now that just sounds stupid, but this is what you did. Then, if you waited 21 days, it was said that during that time, the sweat from the underwear would penetrate the husks of wheat, changing them into mice. How many of y'all going to try that this week? You got the next 21 days. You want to just produce some mice. That sounds crazy to us, doesn't it? But back then, 
It was the majority opinion in, in secular and religious society. Spontaneous generation. But thank God men like Louis Pasteur fought to convince surgeons that there are unseen things that wreak havoc in the seen world. Louis Pasteur is the one who convinced surgeons that they must clean their... Uh, their equipment because they were passing disease from one patient to another when they would cut on someone or if they didn't wash their hands. He's the one that convinced everybody to do this. He's the one that came up with the pasteurization process and probably saved millions of lives in the process. Thank God for him. But back in the 1860s, 150 years ago, it was so hard for people to believe in an unseen world. They thought this was crazy. This was extremely controversial that there was some microorganism that could impact the seen world. But we don't think he's crazy, do we? We have seen the result of germs, and so we believe. That's why we have hand sanitizer everywhere. We have buckets of it back in the children's area. We got one on each door when you drop off your kids. And we encourage you to use those things. We took it to Haiti. All of us had backpacks that we would take out to our work site. And there was hand sanitizer and all of them. We even have, we even have wet wipes nowadays with antibacterial on them. And we were using them before we ate lunch, man. Because we believe germs are real. If you, uh, uh, at MD Anderson a couple of weeks ago, you could not work you could not work. You could not walk 30 yards without another hand sanitizer thing. And then on almost every patient's door, outside their door, was this hand sanitizer because we have seen what happens when germs impact the, 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 the known world. The unseen impacts the seen. Uh, if you've ever been on a cruise ship, it is everywhere. And they have, our last cruise, there were two staff members dedicated to holding buckets of hand sanitizer, forcing hand sanitizer on you. They would chase you down and make sure that you had some hand sanitizer because they know. Cruise ships know what happens. Ask Amanda Bray what happens on a cruise ship when, when an, a microorganism invades your body. She was quarantined in her room. She got sick. Her mom got sick. At least 10 or 11 other people on that trip got sick. You've seen what happens on cruise ships, or if you haven't, it's crazy, where hundreds Hundreds and hundreds of people will get sick because the unseen impacts the seen world. We don't have any problem believing that, do we? Do we? Well, here's where we're going over the next five weeks. There is an invisible world that impacts the visible. This is on your listening guide, point one. The invisible impacts the visible. And I'm amazed at how many times... The physical world parallels the spiritual world. The Bible says there is another invisible world that invades the visible in order to wreak havoc. This unseen world impacts relationships, impacts attitudes. It, it impacts our decision-making process. It shapes our attitudes towards morality, finances, marriage, how we date, how we do business. It threatens everything. But because we're so smart, and so sophisticated and so politically correct in 2000, what are we in? 11. Because, because we're so smart nowadays, we don't buy that there is an invisible spiritual world. Come on, Doug. Demons don't really exist. I mean, they're great for Halloween, but come on, they don't really exist, do they? We think the devil is just figment of people's overactive imaginations. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you today that the same Bible that says stuff that you like and you practice, things like love your neighbor as yourself, things like children obey, obey your parents in the Lord. We like that one. We like um, 
Don't kill, don't kill, don't steal. We like those. The same Bible that says those things also says there is an invisible world that impacts the visible. And we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks. It also says very clearly, there is an invisible world that is out to destroy you. How else do you explain some of the stupid decisions we make all the time? And by stupid, I mean people you know. Because people you know are in relationships that you can look at them and go, why don't they get it? They're on this path and this path is going to lead them to destruction. I can see it. Everyone can see it, but they can't see it. How else can you explain someone making the same dumb decisions over and over and over again unless there is an invisible world that is trying to deceive us and get us on that path? Stuff happens all the time. And we commit relational suicide all the time. And we do things that hurt our relationships instead of helping our relationships succeed all the time. Simple answer is, the people who are doing those things over and over again and, and, and going down the wrong path over and over again are deceived. And many of those deceived people are here today. Now, don't get mad at me yet. I'll tell you when it's okay to get mad at me, but I just want you to hear me out today. Because I think, I think I don't have to go very far to convince you that our lives are like a minefield. Right? You see people walking this path and this minefield is out of control. And, and you see them about to step. And they've stepped on this same mine before. And you've seen it just tear up their heart. Break their heart. And, and they go, you've seen it happen before. And you're going, don't step there, don't step there. And they step there. And you've seen people mess up finances. They've messed up relationships. They've messed up marriages. They've messed up business deals. They've messed up work deals. You see it all the time. And you're going, oh, don't do it. But you've also seen, and these people are the exceptions. They are not the rule. You've seen people who who walk through that same minefield. And somehow they come out of that minefield relatively unscathed. They're about to step here and, and then they step here. And, and nothing happens. And, and they, they, they step here. They walk through the minefield. They get to the other side. And, and you're going, in moments of clarity, you look at their life and you go, wow, I would like to have a marriage like that. I would like to have children like their children. I would like to have my financial house in order like they have their financial house in order. You look at their life and you say, they are shining examples of what all the rest of us want to be. How do they do it? And there's, there's a very simple answer for how they do it. The people who make it through the minefield relatively unscathed have made a decision that you don't get to choose which parts of the Bible you accept and which parts you reject. They have said it's an all or nothing deal. And the same Bible that says all those things we like also says some things that we don't necessarily like, but we don't have a choice about whether to follow it if we want to be successful. It's God's way or no way at all. And all those people you know, and some of you people are sitting here today that keep stepping on the same minds and keep blowing your lives apart, you have, whether you know it or not, you have made a choice that some parts of the Bible apply to you and some parts don't. I challenge you to look at your life or if that's too painful, look at someone else who keeps making the same mistakes over and over. I guarantee you there's parts of the Bible that they say aren't necessarily true or aren't necessary. 
Well, let's figure this deal out. We're going to look at what Jesus has to say. And um, he's about to tell us about this unseen world. We're going to, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. If you have your smartphones, this is the time it's legal to turn it on if you have a uh, Bible app. And go to John chapter 8. And let me kind of set the scene for you. Because here's, here's what Jesus says. And, and some of you are not going to buy this. I'm just going to tell you up front. You're not going to buy what Jesus has to say. That's okay. Doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Jesus has said it. He's going to tell us, number one, or this is number two on your listening guide. Jesus believes the devil is real. Or you can just put down Satan is real. Now, what's going on here? This is a pretty fascinating deal. Jesus is talking to a bunch of religious leaders. And, and by this point in his ministry, he has done some amazing things. He's taught the Sermon on the Mount, which is the most famous sermon ever preached. He has healed people from diseases. He's cast out demons. He has raised people from the dead. He's done some unbelievable stuff that's never happened before in history. And people are coming. Crowds are coming because they're saying, this guy's like no one we've ever seen before. And they're even saying, could he be the one? Could he be the one, you know, the one, the Messiah that we've been reading about in the Old Testament, which was the only Testament they had at the time. So they're like, the the scriptures talk about the Messiah. Could this be the one? And the religious leaders are standing over on the side going, I don't think so. Nah, he couldn't be the one. For some reason, the religious leaders could not make the connection. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. So Jesus says to them, after all you've seen me do and all you've heard me say, do you still believe you not, you don't believe that I'm. From God. You still don't get it. And the religious dudes, they're like going, well, we don't need you because we've got Moses and Abraham. They went big Mo and honest Abe on him, on Jesus. They're saying, we don't need you because our daddy is Abraham. He's the father of our nation. We're going to follow him. We don't need you, Jesus. And Jesus goes, oh, I love Jesus. Because he goes, well, if you really were followers of those guys, you'd recognize who I am. He said, because um, he lights their fire here because he goes, because honest Abe and Big Mo know me. Say, what? He's like, no, no, really. They know who I am. And in fact, I'll go over them. Jesus says, God knows me. And, And then they called Jesus a false prophet. They said, Jesus, you're a liar. You're a false prophet. You're just lying. Jesus says, well... I got some news for you. He's just getting warmed up. Verse 43 of John chapter 8. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? Jesus talking to the religious leaders. It is because you are what? Prevented from doing so. For you are the children of your father, the devil. That's the way to just get preachers to love you. Your daddy's the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and a hater of truth. There's not an iota of truth in him. By the way, this is the living Bible. I just thought it was extremely clear, so I thought I would read from it. When he lies, it is perfectly normal, for he is the father of lies. Now, side note here. A lot of people argue about whether God is male or female. The Bible seems to indicate that he is male. Everywhere I see it, he is male. But there's this big movement out, especially in our day, to make God gender neutral. There's even a gender neutral Bible that may say he, she, or or father, mother, God, and all of that stuff. People don't want God to be male. I don't understand this at all. Because he here is talking about the devil, and no one ever complains when the devil is referred to as he. Does anyone else see the problem with that? No one. Okay, that's another day. I just think there's something wrong with that picture. 
Jesus says, there is a deceiver who has snowed you religious dudes. He's twisted your thinking just enough that you would rather believe a lie than accept the truth. And you've so bought the lies that not only are you telling those lies, but you're related to him. Because if if the devil is the father of lies, he is also the father of liars. And Jesus says, you're his children because you're doing that. And uh, they claimed honest Abe was, was their dad. Jesus says, well, no, actually, your dad's the devil. Your dad's Satan. And, and those are fighting words, in case you hadn't figured that out. So Jesus is throwing down some really deep teaching here, and he says, the devil is a murderer, and to prove that you are his followers, that you're his children, you're going to murder me in just a few weeks or months. Was he proved right? Yes. Jesus said that Satan, that lying is Satan's native language. He says that the devil is the father, the source, the originator of all lies. Jesus believed that Satan was real, that he was a real personality, a real person, and that he wanted to destroy you and me. His agenda is murder. Jesus believed that the devil was, is actively seeking to mess humans up, to kill them, to take their lives. So we're going to look at the specifics of this in this whole series in the weeks to come. But you've got to grasp this. Jesus believes that there is an invisible world that impacts the visible world. Jesus believed the devil is real. And then Jesus even goes on to tell us, not only is the devil real, I'm going to tell you his strategy for destroying your life. And here it is. Number three, Satan uses deception. God has limited Satan's power. And, and I don't fully understand why Satan has power in this world. I don't, I don't fully grasp all that. All I know is I'm telling you who my, my father, God in heaven, sent Jesus Christ, his son, to tell us these things. And so I'm just repeating what Jesus said. There is a devil. His name is Satan. And he uses deception. He, he can't kill you directly. So his only hope of destroying your life is twisting the truth enough that you'll buy it. And you'll follow his path instead of God's. Satan's too smart to come out and show you what he looks like. So he tries to convince people that he's not even real. That he's a fairy tale. That he has horns and and a pitchfork. So that you'll, you'll not take him too seriously. And then you'll buy the lie and you'll be destroyed. He does all of this through deception. Now, not only does Jesus believe that Satan was real and that he wants to deceive you. Look what else he believes in John 14, 30. Now, here Jesus is talking to his disciples, his followers, doesn't have a whole lot of time left on the earth. He says, I don't have much more time to talk to you for the evil prince of this world. Now, you hear the word prince. What do you think of? A prince implies that he has what? Followers, that he has a kingdom. The prince of this world approaches. But this is the coolest thing ever. He has no power over me. Jesus believed that Satan, your enemy, mine, was real, that he was the prince of this world. He rules and has an army at his disposal. And what he's trying to do is to to destroy everything that's dear to the heart of God. How did Jesus know this? Well, number one, Jesus was there in the beginning. He helped create everything. But not only that, when Jesus became a human, he put on flesh and bones. He met Satan face to face. James talked about this last week when he he, uh, preached about the first temptation of Jesus. Well, here's another temptation I want to show you. In Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Same idea, same, same time when Satan was tempting Jesus. He's in the wilderness. This is the second in Luke and in, in Matthew. It's the, the third temptation. Doesn't matter which one, but it's one of the temptations. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me. And I, can't, I can give it to anyone I want to. 
See, we live on a planet that has been placed under the authority of our enemy called the devil. And he's attempting to destroy everything that is near to God through deception. And so he can't he can't offer Jesus that authority if he doesn't have it. He says, I have authority over this world and I'm offering it to you, Jesus, if you'll circumvent what God wants you to do. See, he was offering Jesus all the glory without the suffering on the cross. It was a shortcut. And so that's what he does to me and you. He offers us glory without doing things the right way. He offers us pleasure without doing it God's way. He offers us money and power without doing it God's way. And he deceives us and we fall for it. And that's why our lives are destroyed. If you keep following Jesus' life, you'll find out that the religious leaders eventually lied about Jesus so that they could watch him killed. And they proved whose children they were. They were children of the devil. When we lie and deceive and hurt and cheat, we are showing that we are children of the devil as well. So Satan uses deception. That's his primary weapon. Number four, here's the reality that Jesus believed. I am under attack. Not only did Jesus believe that there was a real personality, a real person named Satan, the devil, but Paul, the one who wrote half of the New Testament, also believed that there was a devil. And when he's writing his letter to the church at Ephesus, this was a church he had established. He wrote this whole book to them, this letter to them, telling them how they should live their lives. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 11, he says it this way. Put on all of God's armor. Why would you need armor? Because you're in a battle. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all the strategies and tricks of Satan. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against what? Persons without bodies. Again, this is the living translation because I wanted you to understand this. We are fighting an unseen enemy and we need to put on the armor of God. Persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the what? unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it is all over, you will still be standing up. Not only did Paul believe that, that there is a real unseen enemy named the devil, but he also believed he used this particular way of deceiving you. It's schemes, it's manipulation, it's tricks. He wants to destroy you through deception. And and honestly, Satan doesn't really have to do a whole lot. We give him so much to work with. We buy trash all the time. Not literal trash. We accept what people say without ever checking the word of God. And in fact, I'm going to tell you, you're foolish. If you buy what I say without going to the word of God to, to see if what I'm telling you is the truth, you're foolish. Bible says that you're supposed to check to make sure I'm telling you what I'm telling you is accurate. Don't buy it. You need to be in God's word yourself. He doesn't have to do much. He just twists the truth just enough that we buy it and we go that direction and it ends up destroying our lives. He can't be obvious because we'd see him and we'd resist, so he tweaks it. He takes appetites. James talked to you about appetites last week. He takes appetites and he twists them just enough that they become addictions. Things like sex. He, he takes sex and he says, well, sex is natural and sex is God-given and sex within marriage is awesome. It's awesome. 
Sex not within marriage destroys people. Because here's what he does. He says, well, sex is a natural urge like hunger. And, and since you are hungry, this is in this Bible, by the way. You didn't come up with this. Sex is this idea. Sex is like hunger and I'm hungry. And so I feed myself. So when I need sex, I should just go have sex. And it's just casual and nobody gets hurt. There's the deception. There's no such thing as casual sex. No such thing as friends with benefits. Because someone gets hurt. It's deception. No one will know. Yeah, you'll know. The person you had sex with will know. God will know. Deception. He twists it. We buy it. We end up on destruction. On the path to destruction. Got off on Sorry. No one gets hurt. That's a lie. We have a desire for nice things. Oh my goodness. Go to Haiti with us next year. We saw a kid at the orphanage came in with a stick with the lid from a can tied on it. And this was his toy. He's walking around. It rolls. Has, has rope through it and it's rolling. That was a toy. We, we complain about our cold showers when we get back there because the tank, the water tank is up on the roof of the church. And if you're there first, you know, you're like the first 10 people who take a shower. It's, it's significantly warmer. If you wait till later in the night, dude, first night I'm in there going, <laughs> trying to take a shower. First thing I do when I come home, three o'clock in the morning, we got home the other night and I'm in the hot shower just going, I am not getting out. <laughs> Janie's in bed. And I'm like, baby, I'm sorry. Hot water is so cool. I'm just loving it. We're laying in, in places. We're staying at a place that's much nicer than where most of our people that we're working with stay. They have a couple of pairs of clothes. We think, I don't have anything to wear. And there's hundreds of clothes in our closets. There's nothing wrong with wanting nice things, but Satan twists it just a little bit so that it becomes an obsession. And all you want is more. All you want is nicer things. And that, through deception... We begin to place money and things above God. It's not an obvious thing. He just leads you down the path until you're so far from God, you couldn't hear if he called you to Haiti if he was standing right next to you because you're deceived. There is an invisible enemy who has this methodical, meticulously planned strategy to mess you up. I mean, people will come and, and they'll, they'll say, oh, man, I want to worship God. I want to give you everything, God. And all the time this happens, people say, oh, I give everything I have to you, God, except my wallet. And some people will even start and they'll say, I'm going to give 10% because this is what the Bible says. The Bible says give 10%. Some people will start and then through a little shift in deception, they'll say, well, I don't have to give that 10% to the church. I can give it through Compassion International. Nothing wrong with compassion. I have a compassion child. His name is Gilbert Okoto. He lives in Africa. I have a compassion child, but I give over and above the tithe. It is, we talked about this two weeks ago. It is robbing God if you take the 10% that, that you're supposed to bring to the local church where you are fed on a regular basis. If you take that 10% and use it for anything other than bringing it to God, you are robbing God. And this is a simple little deception. And you're going over here and you are doing finances on your own according to scripture. Look it up. Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10. And some people say, oh, well, Jesus, I have this all the time. Jesus never talked about tithing. Yeah, it's the one time he actually commended the religious leaders. Because he goes, you know, I've noticed that you dudes, you give 10% even of the spices up in your, your uh, cabinets. You give all this stuff. And he goes, and that is good. Giving 10% is good. But you should also have a tender heart and show compassion to other people. 
He said, you're missing it because Satan twists it just a little bit. And we buy that trash. And we wonder why God doesn't seem near. It's because he's not because you've walked away from him. Start subtle at first. But nobody, I, I, I haven't met anybody who was a Christ follower who ends up lost way out there in the wilderness who, who started off with a huge jump to the wilderness. It starts with one little step. Well, this is okay. I know scripture says it's not, but, but in my life it's okay. It's deception. And what Satan wants to do is destroy you. He has this plan to take you out. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your husband, your wife, your children, your cousins, your neighbors. He hates human beings and only wants to see them wiped out. And he does this through this little thing called deception. But some of you, you're still skeptical. You buy the fact that there are germs because you've seen the result of germs. You've been impacted. It has hurt you. Germs have hurt you. You go, man, I buy that. But this whole demon thing is just too much for you to believe. You probably have your own explanation for why bad things happen in life. It could be coincidence. Oh, it's just a coincidence. Could be karma, which again, karma, deception. It could just be karma. The world is getting uh, even with me because I did or said something. That's, that's deception. But you probably have your own explanation, except sometimes you see something that is so bad that you go, man, that's just pure evil. How else do you explain 9-11? Guys hijacking planes and flying them into buildings to kill innocent lives to make God happy. That's evil. How else do you explain Hitler murdering 6 million Jews simply because they're Jews? That's not karma. That's not a bad choice. That's evil. How else do you explain... Child pornography. There's a little boy that, that climbed on my shoulders and I carried him around. And the last day, seven years old, his name's Jodney. And, and I was standing in line passing buckets. And the dude just walked up and grabbed my hand and just stood there holding my hand. So I'm passing bucket one at a time. Every once in a while I'd have to swap hands and pass bucket that way. People who want to hurt him are evil. You saw pictures of little girls that we are actually, one of our church folks are actually sponsoring them to go to school. They've never been to school in their lives. It takes $150 to buy them a school uniform and put them into school for a year. And there's two precious girls. You'll see more of them in the weeks to come. They've never been in school before and they get to go to school now. People who want to exploit those little girls sexually are evil. There's a sex slave trade in our world. And actually there's, there's some along our border. Where little girls that age are taken captive. And forced to do sexual things with men. That's evil. I don't care what you say. That's evil. But you have your own explanation. You don't think there's a spiritual world. But there are times you're going to see stuff. That's going to overwhelm you. And, and maybe that's when you'll get the insight that, dude, maybe this spiritual thing is real. Maybe there's an invisible world that impacts the visible. Maybe this Jesus knew what he was talking about. Evil is real whether you believe it or not. Satan is real whether you believe in him or not. 
Someone is telling the truth and someone's lying. I'm, I'm betting that Jesus is telling the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus says deception also has a name. His name is Satan. I'm going to bet on Jesus because Jesus did everything that they said the Messiah should do. Everything in the Old Testament. The, the religious leaders knew that the Messiah was supposed to be born of a virgin. They knew he was supposed to come from the town of Bethlehem. They knew he would even go to Nazareth. They knew he would go to, to uh, Egypt. They knew all of this stuff and they missed him. But Jesus did everything the Messiah was supposed to do. He said everything that the Messiah was supposed to say. And that makes him different than any other religious leader. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Joseph Smith, not Confucius. Jesus, I'm going to buy into what Jesus has to say. Every one of those other religious leaders fixed a religious system that benefited them somehow. They, they twisted the truth just enough that they got people to follow them instead of the true God. Every one of those religious leaders benefited from their own religion. Jesus Christ is the only one who went to the cross because of what he said was true. He's the only one that raised from the dead. All the others, you can go to their graves. And you can, and, and in fact, you're supposed to, in most of those religions, you're supposed to go to the grave and honor the bones of the founder. You go to Jesus' grave, it's empty. That makes him different. It also makes him right. So, you can believe what you want to, but I believe there is evil in this world, and I believe his name is Satan, and he wants to take you out. But our day and age, people don't believe in absolute truth. It's not popular. In our day and age, people say, um, well, what's right for you may not be right for me. And people will say, don't you judge me. How, in fact, did you know most of the time that, that when, when our congressmen and political people quote the Bible, what they'll quote is, do not judge lest you be judged. But they don't give you the rest of it. Because Jesus said the same measure that you measure other people, that's how you're going to be measured. And the scripture says that you are, you will be, we are supposed to judge people within the church. We're supposed to do that. Christ followers, we're not supposed to judge people outside the church. This is why I will fight to have a place where non-Christians can come and hear the the dangerous message of Jesus Christ. If you don't want non-Christians to come around, please go somewhere else because we need your seat. We are not going to make decisions in our church based on whether it's popular with Christ followers. We want to make decisions in our church based on whether it's popular with Christ. And since he surrounded himself with the riffraff of society, I figure my church ought to look like that. And that's who I like hanging out with anyway. Honestly. I am one. Because the Bible says all my, all my righteous deeds are like filthy rags. I want to hang out with people who want to know the truth, who want to believe the truth, who want to proclaim the truth. I don't want to hang out with religious leaders that Jesus said, your daddy's the devil. People say, don't you impose your beliefs on me. I wish I was smart enough to come up with this stuff, but they're not my beliefs. They're Jesus. Would you bow your heads for just a minute? Many people think they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. Those people are deceived. My question to you today is, are you one of those people? Are you a deceived person? 
Father, we want to know the truth. You said, if we know the truth, which is you, Jesus Christ, the truth will set us free. It's my prayer that some people begin the journey of freedom today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your uh, registration cards for just a moment? Fill those out so that we would have a record of your visit. And I'm going to ask you four yes or no questions. So on the back, if you would write one, two, three, four, and you can do it small because some of you, we, we take prayer concerns back there. I read through those this morning from last week and I'll be praying over those as well. I know James did this week while I was gone. So leave room if you need prayer concerns, put that on there. But one, two, three, four, yes or no. Do you believe the invisible impacts the visible? Yes or no? And just be honest. If you think I'm full of beans, just, just say no. You can write full of beans. I'll know what you're saying. Number two. Do you believe that Satan is real? Yes or no? Not maybe. Yes or no? Be honest. Number three. Are you being deceived? And, and I mean in any area of life, are you being deceived? Yes or no? Buy and a lie. And number four. Are you under attack? Yes or no?